0: On the banks of the Chicago River, there are two giant towers that look like corn cobs, which are part of a complex called Marina City. These iconic buildings were constructed to combat a shift towards the suburbs. Indeed, this landmark was designed to house an entire community within its walls. A mission which was perhaps well accomplished as over 1,000 people have lived within these towers since they opened in the 1960s, with grocers, laundromats, and other amenities available without ever needing to step outside. And as famous as they are, in its time, Marina City has been plagued by disaster after disaster, from lethal construction accidents to fire water leaks, and massive amount of constant debt. In fact, things here got so bad at one point that the entire complex nearly shut down in the 1980s due to a lack in funds. However, Marina City remains one of Chicago's biggest and most ambitious mixed development projects. And if you stay tuned, you'll be amazed by its story. Today, we discover Chicago's Marina City. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching It's History. Let's start off in the mid-1900s when Chicago was facing a very serious urban problem. During World War II, Chicago had a population boom, but once the war was over, the population began to disperse. At this point, all the Chicagoans were moving out of the city proper to stay in the suburbs instead. The downtown Chicago area, known as the Loop, was losing people and urban development in that area had slowed to a crawl. And contrary to popular belief, this slowing wasn't due to a lack in interest. In fact, people have always wanted to live close to where they work. The real issue was a lack in good property options. So the city came up with a solution, a solution realized by the one and only Bertrand Goldberg. Goldberg was born in Chicago in 1913. And later in life, after enrolling at Harvard, he spent a year studying design at the famous Bauhaus Art School in Berlin. Goldberg returned to his hometown of Chicago in 1933 and opened an architectural firm in 1937 focused on prefabricated structures. This focus lasted about 15 years, but by the end of World War II he had switched his interest to urban architecture, which was a great move as he began planning the design for Marina City in 1959. Goldberg and his $25 million Marina City project was part of a larger plan to revitalize Chicago's urban areas. Goldberg was one of several designers hired to undertake massive construction projects as part of a $1.5 billion plan to redevelop the loop and provide housing so more people would settle down in urban areas. His original plan for Marina City was a four-building complex located on the banks of the Chicago River. The complex would consist of two 40-story towers, one 10-story office building, and a four-story structure for parking cars and boats. The complex could be accessed from State Street on its east side and Dearborn Street on the west. Within 48 hours of the project's official public announcement, 200 apartments had already been reserved. Although the project was announced with two 40-story towers that were rectangular, but Goldberg realized that the design needed to be more efficient and switched to a round structure. And it was this alteration on the original plan that would become the 65-story design we all know and love. When it was built, this design marked both the tallest residential building in the world and the tallest reinforced concrete building in the world. Goldberg pitched his vision for the project as, quote, a city within a city with its own self-contained community. Marina City was an example of mixed residential and commercial development blown up to massive scale. Despite these lofty goals, Marina City faced significant challenges during construction. The first and possibly most impactful was the buying of the land itself. The developers were left $1 million short of the total needed for the land purchase and a small window of time to make up that difference. The resulting poorly balanced equity forced Marina City Associates to spend two-thirds of the yearly profits on paying off debt and leaving the rest for upkeep. This was the start of the financial problems that would come back to haunt Marina City years down the line. Before then, though, even after groundbreaking in the 1960s, the development of Marina City kept being plagued by horrific accidents. For example, in September of 1960, a piece of scaffolding broke, dropping the three men that were standing on it while well, there were 43 stories in the air. Although the deaths were ruled accidental, the families of the three deceased managed to sue Goldberg and the construction companies for reparations, claiming that they neglected safety standards. They were correct. When they fell, the three men hadn't had safety lines. In other words, the construction company was cutting corners on safety to speed things up. Then in June of 1962, seven workers were riding a material hoist up the side of the tower. When a gear shaft broke, they fell 10 stories. All seven sustained severe injuries, resulting in a permanent passenger elevator being set up for workers' use shortly thereafter. Although perhaps too little too late, a new city ordinance was passed, allowing the use of temporary passenger elevators during construction so that the workers wouldn't have to risk using hoists. These concessions didn't stop another worker from sliding and fatally falling one year later, however. On top of the man-made problems, there was also just plain bad luck. For example, water leaked into three of Marina City's caissons, causing the surrounding land to sink eight inches. Engineers were afraid that the damage may have also affected the foundation of another nearby hotel. The towers also suffered from multiple fires, with the first reported in August of 1962. Smoke was seen from the West Tower, but the fire had already gone out When the fire truck arrived there was a second bigger fire in february of 1963. a fire had started in one of the occupied apartments there were no injuries but nine days later the west tower had to be evacuated because some of the butane tanks were exploding and as bad as that all sounds the towers were open for residents and the first tenants moved in by october of 1962. in 1964 the residents launched a marina city newsletter called from marina city reporting on all the ongoings in the complex i should also point out that not all of the headlines about the complex were bad from its opening and perhaps on account of its bizarre look marina city was featured in pop culture as early as 1965 the towers made their first film appearance in a goldstein film but it certainly wouldn't be their last inversely you could also watch a film here as the complex featured its own theater called marina cinemas from 1970 to 1977 which was perhaps a good way for the residents to have a little distraction from the fact that their marina city was also involved in a tax scandal in 1970. that's right there were allegations that specific buildings in cook county were getting unfair property tax breaks marina city was believed to be one of them but nothing came of the investigation By 1977, Marina City switched from running rental apartments to selling condos, and this would be a turning point in the complex's history. In 1988, Marina City's perpetual debt became too much, and Marina City Associates filed for bankruptcy. Aside from the residential buildings, The Marina City commercial property was handed over to a court-appointed trustee named Eileen Goldstein. And ultimately, it was up to her to handle the way that the surrendered property would be assessed in a way that could pay off its debts. A few companies expressed interest in buying. For example, the Marriott considered turning one of the office buildings into a hotel, but no purchases went through. Meanwhile, due to the bankruptcy, the complex could no longer afford to receive proper maintenance and Marina City was starting to fall apart. There were structural hazards and instability such as the stairs leading down to the marina which had rotted and had to be shut down. Meanwhile, Commonwealth Edison, the power company, was one of the marina city's primary debtors and was planning to shut down power to the marina city if the debt wasn't repaid. On top of all that, the theater and the office buildings were contaminated by asbestos. So if this complex were to be saved, it would need to be bought by a developer ready to sink a lot of money into repairs. In 1993, there were competing offers from two such developers, John Marks and Roger Levin. Goldstein chose to sell Marina City to Marks who went all in on repairing and rebuilding. The overhaul worked, and Marina City, the icon of Chicago, is going strong to this day. So now that we have the history covered, let's take a look at what's inside. Marina City has two residential towers, and east and west, a hotel called Hotel Chicago, a theater building containing the House of Blues, a small plaza, and an access driveway. The residential towers are both 65 floors tall, There are also six bars, a bowling alley, and table tennis, not to mention six restaurants ranging in formality. The tower's bottom level is the marina for which the complex is named. It's 17 feet tall, and lets patrons rent electric boats for cruises on the Chicago River. There's a two-story commercial structure on top of the marina, with the rest of the complex built on top of that. The tower's first levels can be reached by descending stairs from either State or Dearborn Street. And it's here that you'll find the dry cleaner and the grocery store. On the second floor is the so-called bridge level because it's level with bridges on State and Dearborn Street. The second through 19th floors are a spiral parking ramp with 900 parking spaces total. And on at least two occasions, stuntmen drove cars off of this parking garage. Anyhow, the 20th floor is the laundry and storage area. And in the East Tower, the 20th floor also houses meeting rooms, while the West Tower has fitness rooms. Floors 21 through 60 are condo units. Each building has 336 studio apartments, 67 one-bedroom apartments, and 45 two-bedroom apartments, with each unit featuring its own balcony. The 61st floor is an observation deck for looking out over the beautiful landscape of Chicago. The remaining few floors above it are mechanical penthouses dedicated to running the building's utilities. Just north of the tower is Hotel Chicago, a 354-room, 16-story tall Marriott Hotel, with its last renovation occurring in 2015. The plaza outside is where you will find the House of Blues, a four-story tall theater building. Each tower has five elevators. There are also five in Hotel Chicago, one in the House of Blues, one in the restaurant, and one in the plaza. The elevators can travel at 700 feet per minute at their fastest. But there are also some lost amenities here. You see, when Marina City first opened in the 60s, back then it featured a gym, swimming pool, ice skating rink, retail stores, and open roof deck on each building. But unfortunately, all these amenities had been shut down by the time of the complex's overhaul in 1993. When Marina City was first designed, it was one of the biggest mixed development projects in history as was the designer's mission to create a city within a city. And in many ways, he succeeded. Consider it, the people of Marina City, though they do go out and go to work just like anyone else, they come home to park their cars in one of the 900 spaces of the spiral parking ramp without having to battle the realities of city parking. Marina City is its own defined community within the city of Chicago and rightfully will be the center of admiration for years to come. But it seems like I forgot to mention what album cover these towers were featured on. (laughs) Not that hard of a question, if you're from Chicago. Anyways, if you know what I'm referring to, let us know in the comments below, and if you'd like to see more crazy architecture, check out our video on Japan's Lost Capsule House by clicking right here. Until next time, this is Ryan Sokash, signing off.